bringing you the latest fantasy football news from Champions Division to Toilet Brigade. We are the Niagara Dynasty Fantasy Association, and you are listening to the NDFA Podcast. You know what? It's all us fat middle-aged guys that are not good enough to do what these people are doing, so we want to fantasize that they're on our team. <laughs> it's kind of a novel concept. I think it's catching on, though, in life. You're not talking about porn. <laughs> Wait, that's that's what it sounds like. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. Uh, it's middle aged man porn, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Well, I mean, you do go to the combine and see how big the guy's hands are, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's what's the topic? Are we going to do the three rookies in the uh, at each position? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good one. All right, all right, man, I'm back. You there? Yep. Sorry about that. Just had to have a little conversation with Quick. Oh, okay. They That's they all went roller skating. You know, like Ken's mom's here and stuff. They all went roller skating. All right. Dude, so my old man's 70 trying to kill himself on a powered parachute. <laughs> my, mo- my mother-in-law is 67. She's going roller skating with the kids. Like, dude, I, I hope I'm in that shape. I'm probably not in that shape now. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm not. So. Someone told me I had to go fucking roller skating. I would be fucking terrified <laughs> you and me both dude my mother-in-law is <laughs> like nope i'm doing it it's like holy shit yeah yeah i get upset if i have to fucking kneel down on the floor <laughs> exactly dude <laughs> so why you want this maintenance manager job so i don't have to crawl under machines anymore because my fat <laughs> ass doesn't really fit there anymore <laughs> in case you didn't notice i'm kind of big and i'm kind of old <laughs> exactly and I feel older than I even am, so. Oh. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. Yeah. Ready for the podcast now, I think, Ian. You know, I got I got reading glasses. I got light. All right. Holy I shit. You're going big time. Absolutely. The eyes are deteriorating. Yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't, I haven't had that start yet much, if at all. Yeah, it was 40, maybe a little the other side of it. And it started, and it's, it's not getting better, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. All right, ready to get rolling? Positions? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to do our, our little rookie preview then. We're going to go through three guys at every position, right? Yep, that's what I got written now. And, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of talk and, and see who we like and, and maybe why, why not. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how it works out. I'm sure we'll have a couple bonus players along the way. We always uh, do, right? Yeah, it's bound to happen. We, we can't help ourselves and – and for the record, and I always like to say this because, like, only half the league still believes us. Like, this is truly my opinion of it. I won't speak for Ian, but I think Ian's as straightforward as I am on the whole thing. This is truly my opinions of it. Maybe, maybe I tweak something here in the next couple of days, but this is that. This is what I think of them. And I try, and I know we both try to put out the real information so people actually take us seriously and not think we're just fucking with them. Oh, for like, sure, yeah. Because we're really not. We don't want to lose any credibility. We'll be down to, like, no listeners at that point. But <laughs> Oh, but Ian, we did pick up another listener. Oh, really? We did. All right. Carter listens to our podcast. Oh, all right. Cool. I, I don't good. know if he listens to all of them, but he is definitely listening. All right. Is he a football fan? Uh, not yet. I'm working on it. All right. Well, that's one way to start. Absolutely. I told him I had a podcast with Ian. He's like, no way. And I, me and him went to New York. This was 
I don't know, a month or two ago. And uh, he's like, play it, play it. And I started playing. And he's like, no, I want to listen to all of them now, he says. So all right. I, I, told, I told him where to find it. So, hey, it's always good when we pick up an extra listener. Yeah, yeah. What, the four? Is that four now? Yeah, probably. <laughs> we're, we're rolling. Oh, man. All right. Start off with the quarterbacks, Ian. I think this is going to be easy. Yeah, that'll be a quick conversation. <laughs> Did you struggle to get the four? Uh, yeah, well, we'll let, we'll let you go first. All right. So we'll start out number one. How do we want to do this? Every other? Or you want me to list my three and then we'll the one yeah. in the end? Well, Before yeah, we'll, go. Let's go. We'll go back and forth and just, yeah, something will, a pattern will, will emerge, I'm sure. All right. So quarterbacks, tickets number one. I think that's a hands-down decision. It's nothing else to see here, right? The only quarterback taken in the first two rounds, I believe. Yeah. Um, went to Pittsburgh, which generally is an organization that develops their players properly and, and well, well, well-run organization. Went to Pittsburgh. I think that pretty much makes them the next Dan Marino. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm a little hit miss on the talent, um, like watching the tape and stuff, like, I don't completely see it. I, I see some of it, but I, it, you know what? Maybe we're just spoiled in years past because you've seen all these like number one picks going at quarterback and stuff like that. And, and I think rightfully he didn't go in the top five of the NFL draft. But again, it's hard not to trust Pittsburgh in general. Um, he, he could they're be dead. Roethlisberger or, or, or Marino, like you said, because they're gun shy that they passed on Marino like 30 years ago. Yeah. Pittsburgh is definitely one of the better run organizations in the NFL and they tend to have success, but they also drafted Mason Rudolph. So yeah, they missed too. Yeah. Which which everyone does, but definitely going to Pittsburgh moves him up on my list, you know, somewhat, but I I still think that you're looking at Kenny Pickett being somewhere between, Oh man, Ryan Tannehill on the low end and Derek Carr on the high end is my estimation, which that's not a bad place to be for fantasy, but it's also not the next Peyton Manning or, you know, the next Tony Romo even. I mean, I think you just got a guy who's probably going to be somewhere between good and almost good in the NFL. Absolutely. And that's what I was alluding to when I said I watched some of the game tape and stuff like that of I wasn't overly impressed. But yeah. for fantasy purposes and definitely for this draft, he's he, he's by far my number one guy on the board. Sure. I, I actually personally only think there's like two guys that are draftable in this whole thing. Uh, not for me personally. So uh, big news alert, everybody. I'm not taking any of them. But I, I think he's one of the two that are actually draftable anyways in this league depending yeah. on your roster. So I guess I'll, I'll dovetail on that and say my number one guy also is Kenny Pickett. And he's also my number two and three. I don't think there's two guys that are draftable in this QB class. O- only because there's other guys that I like. So it, it's not that. But if you look at the draft capital, the situation and stuff of the other players that I like that have come into the league, there's none of them that I would draft. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll wait till you go to your number two guy and stuff before I start going into anything too much deeper. But yeah, like I said, I mean, Pickett, he looks like a goodish quarterback in the NFL. Certainly a guy that you throw on your roster for for bye weeks, for whatever, especially if you're one of the more quarterback needy teams in our league. You know, I could see it, but, uh, you know, certainly not first, 
round, maybe tail end of the second if you need a quarterback. But I, I would project him to be more of a third rounder for us. Yeah, the second round still, yeah, a little rich for me. I and I honestly see a ceiling between the number ten and fifteen fantasy quarterback, and yeah. maybe maybe he's that for fifteen years. I mean, which would be a good valuable pick on your roster, but you're not going to pay him whatever first round money is for ten or fifteen years for that type of production. Yeah, or or, or second round money, honestly. Absolutely, because by year three or four, when he's actually hitting that ceiling, he's not going to be worth the money of that. That you'll have to pay him even with the the second round money. So, yeah, I I, I see the earliest he goes is the third, and yeah. I might even see him going in the fourth. Kenny Pickett is the perfect quarterback to draft. If you have come to the place in this league where you have Marcus Mariota on your team, grab Pickett. It could work, you know? Oh, absolutely. If, if you have Ryan, or not Ryan Tannehill, uh, Mitchell Trubinsky. Yeah. Th- th- this is the same caliber of quarterback. Yeah, but but younger with possible upside. At least at least you can stare at him for a couple of years, use him in bye weeks, and hope he gets better. Exactly. And, and there are weapons there. And that's that's probably one of the few reasons why I even say that he's draftable is there are definitely weapons over in Pittsburgh. And they'll, yeah. probably, they'll probably reload with more next year and the year after. They always seem to. For sure. All right. So I'll go on to my second guy. And, and I, I say that there's two guys draftable, and this guy is just for upside. And I know where the argument's going to come that, uh, well, my second guy is Willis. Sure. Of course it is. And, and I, I know where the argument's going to come. Like, Tannehill is going nowhere for two years. Yeah. Like, you better have a free roster spot to have this guy sitting there because he is going to be useless to you. The only reason I got him as number two and say he's even draftable at that point is the rushing upside. We all know that the rushing quarterbacks get you points. But I don't think he's as good of a runner as Lamar Jackson. I don't even know if he's a good runner as uh, – Josh Allen, to be honest, he's got a bazooka arm, but he cannot hit anything. I honestly don't know what to make of this guy. And I'm going to guess that the NFL doesn't either because a guy with this tools usually goes fairly high. And I say fairly, if he even went at the beginning of the second round in the real NFL draft, you'd be like, okay, someone sees something at him. Yeah. But quarterback needy team after quarterback needy team just passed on. Atlanta passed on them. Uh, Seattle passed on them numerous times. Like, they're just nobody wanted to look at this guy. So, if they ain't looking at him, I don't know how much we should, but there's something there because of the rushing upside. And to be honest, he's a third, third or fourth round pick in the real NFL draft. I forget which. Yeah. Fourth, they'll give up. Time. They'll give up on him very quickly. He doesn't hold draft capital, even hold a position on a real team. So, and Tannehill's do boatloads of money the next two years. He is not going anywhere. Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback of the Titans for the next two years. So, yeah. So, again, if you had the space, maybe. But I, I have a hard path of even seeing that. So, there's 57 million reasons why Malik Willis won't get to play <laughs> this year. That would be the cap hit if Tennessee moved on from Ryan Tannehill. Fifty-seven million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not seeing the quarter playing quarterback this year. Yeah. So, and, and then if you look at next year, it's still twenty. Oh no, thirty-six million. Is that right? I thought I had read twenty-two. Anyways, 
it's a lot of millions. Malik Willis, he's just not okay. So Tannehill breaks his leg. Maybe Willis gets a shot. And yeah, there's the rushing upside, but he's not being he's not going to be practicing with your first team offense. And other than a devastating injury, he's not going to play in the next two years. So the thing is, here's why I say you don't draft him: is roster spots have some value. You know, they are valuable, and he's going to wind up. You're going to roster him. You're going to put him on your taxi squad. And next year, you're going to have another draft and try to figure out who to have on your taxi squad. And you're going to be staring down another year where you know he's not going to play. And you don't know if he's great. So at that point, you've held him for two years. That also gives Tennessee two years to figure out something else at quarterback. You know, whether Tannehill continues to play, well, last year he wasn't great, but play well overall and last for another year or two, or they just draft someone else in that time. I mean, Tannehill's terrible, and they get a high draft pick. Next year, there's lots of quarterbacks coming out. You know, the year after, I I don't know very much about that class. But the scenario where you pick them and you actually get to use them before you wind up just cutting them and someone else getting them in free agency, it's it's pretty narrow. And that's why I say I don't think he's draftable. But if you love the guy and you want – you know, I'm sitting there saying this with Trey Lance on my roster. But – San Francisco also traded away like every first round pick for the next decade or something to get Lance. So he's got a high probability of starting at some point, but you got draft capital. Yeah, exactly. So you don't even have that with Willis. So to me, it's just, I I don't know. I mean, if he, if he's still sitting there in the fourth or fifth round and I can get him for four bucks, I'm like, okay, well I could have a career starter possibly in two years for, you know, $6 or whatever. Maybe, but to me, he's undraftable. I'll just pick him up off the waiver wire after, you know, after Jeremy cuts him or whatever, or Matt or, or, or fish or fit, whoever, you know, someone who gets excited about his rushing upside, picks him up, let him take up a roster spot for a year, maybe even two. And I'll pick him up later after they cut. So just piling on how thin the quarterback draft is. I mean, let's face the other two things. And one of them, I, think we really miss when we're looking at fantasy. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill is not a good fantasy quarterback. Ryan Tannehill had the Titans be the number one seed in the AFC last year. Yeah. So it matters what real NFL teams think. Ryan Tannehill wins games. Yes. Like, and, and they don't care about your fantasy roster guys at all. Trust me, they do the running back by committee on all of us. They do yeah. not care. For a real-life NFL quarterback, Brian Tannehill wins a lot of games, and that will keep you employed for a long, long time in the NFL. So the path for Willis even to get it in two years might not be there. And, and who knows, Ryan Tannehill, might, his skills might fall apart too. But the other thing is, and I think we're probably getting a little better at this, but we really kind of have to look at this a little bit because especially when we get to the receivers, I, I'm sure this is going to be a topic we're going to talk about is he played for Liberty and did not dominate them. He was very good. Yeah. He played for Liberty. He didn't, he wasn't playing Alabama and Ohio State every year. I mean, he, I don't even know what conference Liberty is in. I'm still kind of learning. I think it's in the MAC, but I'm not sure. I believe but, so. But again, this is a guy that didn't overly dominate at a essentially a Division II school. I know it's Division One, but it's definitely the, the lower half of it. So – yeah, it, it, it's hard to see a scenario where you'd want to draft him. If you want that couple-dollar lottery ticket in the third round, fourth – or not third round, sorry. That's too expensive. Fourth or fifth round, 
I guess, but I'm the ultimate lottery ticket guy, and I'm not spending a late round pick on him. Yeah. So I guess that's my endorsement for my number two. So Tannehill has taken the Tennessee Titans to the playoffs all three seasons that he's played with them. That's what I mean. They're not getting rid of that. They're paying him. Exactly. So and he's 33 years old. So, you know, two years from now, 35, do quarterbacks get a new contract at 35? Well, a lot of them do. So I don't know. Like I said, I mean, I'll pick them up in a couple of years if there's hype around them at that point. Someone's going to cut them after they keep them on the roster for a couple of years and he hasn't played it down. I'll make I'll make a prediction. By the time this guy goes to play, we'll call it two years from now, there's going to be five other – Will I, what, what the hell is his first name? I forget. Malik. Malik. There's yeah. going to be five other Malik Willis's that we're going to talk about on this podcast, and we're still not going to know if this guy's any good or not. Absolutely. So – so Ian, with all this said, I'll just go. I'll just lump my three and my um, my maybe, and and the maybe is probably actually more interesting than the three. So I got Matt Corral at three. And just a real quick and dirty here of even why I have him ranked at three. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Sam Darnold sucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got I got nothing else on it. Like Sam Darnold is just not a good quarterback. So maybe the rookie plays this year. I. Other than that, I ain't got too much on him. I think Matt Corral has the third highest chance of being a starting quarterback in his rookie year. Ooh, the third. So, I mean, you got someone in front of him? Yeah, well, so obviously Pickett's number one. I mean, we have to assume that Pickett's going to start a game this year. You know, even if uh, the other one, Trubisky. Trubisky, yep. Yeah, even if Trubisky plays relatively well, unless he plays lights out, they're going to put Pickett in for a couple games at the end of the season to see what they got. You know, just, just like what they did with Mahomes his rookie year. Worst case, he gets two starts towards the end of the season. But if they go sub-500 after eight weeks, you'll probably see Pickett go and be the starter. Dude, after, if they're neck and neck coming on a training camp, I think Pickett might be the starter. Yeah, maybe. I think that's going back to the Steelers being a well-run organization. You know, well-run organizations let their rookies develop a little bit, at least at, at quarterback. That, that's why I think they go with the – the proven Trubisky. proven guy. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Trubisky, like we just said about Tannehill, he ain't a great quarterback, but he won a lot of games in Chicago. I mean, they, they were in the playoffs a couple of years, I think. Yeah, I, I think maybe every year he played there. Maybe not the last year he played there. But anyways, he's he's had success in the NFL. You know, I mean, maybe the team was winning in spite of him instead of because of him, but they were still winning. So, but I do think Pickett sees the field this year. You know, after that, I think the next highest chance of starting is uh, is Ritter, only because Mariota also sucks. <laughs> and, and Mariota just signed with the coach that picked Tannehill over him two years ago in Tennessee, or three years ago. So, I mean, for Mariota to not know that the writing's on the wall, if something doesn't go right, and, and then after that, I think he got Corral, because, well, Sam Darnold sucks. Ritter was my wild card here. Okay, yeah. So I, I just I think we've seen a couple of flashes in um, Mariota over the years. Maybe just enough to keep a rookie pending to come in, you know, and, and not sure. really get a chance. I, I just think Sam Darnold's complete trash, and that's why I got Corral in front of him. Like, yeah, Sam Darnold's not going to have a job after this year anywhere. I don't think. 
No, I, I I would agree with that. Your backup quarterback cannot be a turnover machine, and that's obviously at best he's a backup quarterback. And I just that, yeah, I, I think that experiment's just dumb. Yeah. So again, that that's why I have them ranked the way I do. And as for anybody else, dude, like there's nothing. Oh, uh, like come I, on. I looked not- at Sam Howell and I was like, man, maybe. And it's like, no, just just no. And you know what? Carson Wentz sucks too. Like he'd probably be my next one on this list. And it's like, no, this guy went in the fifth round or something. The thing is, Carson Wentz is an okay quarterback. And Sam Howell is a fifth round rookie. Something like that. He was picked 144 overall. Yeah, it's about the beginning of the fifth round, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 60, 90, 120. I thought you were going to come at me with some Bailey Zappy action. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) No. Dude, I was digging to get to these. Yeah. I was like, I I got nothing on these guys except the starter sucks. (laughs) (laughs) At, At the end of the day, that's what it really comes down to is more than any other position. With, I mean, the only exception I can think of is Tom Brady. If you're not drafted in the first two rounds, you don't get a real chance at playing. Absolutely, dude. And Tom Brady just comes around once a generation. I mean, let's yeah. face it. It does not happen very often. I can't yeah. think of too many guys. I can think of two quarterbacks that have been very good, well, slash Hall of Famers, that have been late or undrafted. And that's uh, Kurt Warner and Brady. Yeah. Like, think about the hundreds of quarterbacks that have been drafted all in between. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Think um, of how many have been drafted in the first round in between all that. Oh, yeah. Well, let alone late guys. Mariota and Trubisky. They were both top three picks. Exactly. I guess Russell Wilson was a little later pick, too, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, and Davis Mills. Still to be determined. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, it, it just does not happen that often. Yeah. It's not like a running back and a receiver, you know, defensive players especially catch them later. But, yeah, you just can't believe that all these NFL teams that need the most important position on their team, which bar none it is, are just passing on these guys to the fourth and fifth round thinking they have any talent or any chance to start. Yeah. I just can't believe that. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, you got anything else about the quarterbacks? No, that's pretty much it. You know, I mean – if you're desperate for a quarterback, draft pick it. Otherwise, Wait. trade. <laughs> Make yeah. a trade. Absolutely. All right. Running backs. Yeah. Why don't you start again? I think I know who you're taking. All right. So my running backs, uh, the one and two have, as I'm watching, has closed up a little bit. I started this, and I had a clear-cut one and a clear-cut two. But I think, I think the gap's closing. I have not changed positions on them, but I still think Brees Hall is the number one back. Oh, uh, man. I shouldn't let you start. I thought for sure you were going Walker. No, like I said, the get the gap is definitely closed. I well, I can lump the two of them together because I'm assuming you're going to have the same two anyways. Yeah, I those think, are the two at the top. I think Brees Hall is the better overall back. I think uh, the pass catching ability, um, he can run for more power than Walker can. I, I, I just think he's a little bit of a better back. If you wanted to go pure runner, I actually think Walker is the better pure runner. But I think there's a lot of things that he does not provide. Like, he does not provide pass protection at all. So that's going to be something that's not going to get him in on third downs. 
Maybe he gets a couple here and there, and you can even argue they didn't ask him to catch. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. Who knows? He probably can. He's a pretty athletic guy. He can probably catch just fine. But there is not a coach in the league that is not absolutely pissed when their running back cannot pass block on third down. That is an absolute must for these guys, and it's just the way it is. Like, like it or not, and it makes no fantasy points, they just do not play them guys on third down if they cannot pass block. Yeah, and – I mean, Pete Carroll is about as old school as you get on top of it. So, I mean, it, it's not like he's got himself a creative coach that's like, oh, no, we don't need you to pass block because we're going to, you know, run a dig route or some shit. Like, yeah, no, this this guy is not going to get playing time if he doesn't become better at blocking. Absolutely. Um, so them are my top two. And, again, it, it's close. I, I don't lo- – I, I like Michael Carter a lot in New York. So I think that's going to hurt Brees Hall a little bit, and I'm probably down on the running backs overall a little bit. Not that I don't think these should be the first two or three picks of the draft, but I'm just down on them a little bit because, um, you know, Michael Carter's there, and I don't think Walker's getting in on third down. And, and you know what, Richard Penny's still there. I mean, I, I know he'll be injured after the first quarter of game one. But again, he, he's still there. If he stays healthy for five games, it's going to cut into what Walker does on first yeah. and second down. And Penny's not a pass catcher either. So that means they're going to roll in a, a third back that's going to get a couple of carries there, here and there. And I, I don't even know who they got for a third back. Travis Homer, maybe. It, it doesn't matter. There's, there's going to be a back, a third back that's going to play in that offense, I think. So I'm not as high overall on the running backs. Like, like this is not. Najee Harris and ETN and uh, Javante Walker coming out. The, the, these are a tier below them guys, I think. With the situation a little bit, I think if Hall went to a Atlanta or something of that nature, I, I would probably be a little higher on him. But I think Michael Carter's got a lot of talent over there. But again, these are by far my my two top backs. So yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I I'm higher on Walker. I think there's a bigger gap between Hall and I just said I'm higher on Walker. I think there's a bigger gap between Hall and Walker than what you do. Not that I'm higher on Hall than you are, but I'm either higher on Hall or lower on Walker. I, th- I think the gap's a little more significant, than, but but not huge. I still think Walker is the clear cut number two choice. These are both guys who project to become the clear lead of the committee that they play in. Uh, and. A big reason why I actually have Hall uh, e- even above Walker. If you had to bet on one of them being a bell cow back, it would probably be Hall. Now, see that that's one thing that I'm gonna I'm gonna pick apart just a little bit with Kenneth Walker. Pete Carroll is a guy who has tried and tried and tried again ever since Beast Mode left to feature one guy as his running back. You know, I mean, he did it with Carson until Carson got hurt. I mean, he let Carson fumble. 28 times one season when still playing him, you know, I mean, he did it with Thomas Rawls until he got hurt. Once you get hurt and banged up, Carroll will completely move on from you. But if he finds a running back he likes, he'll feature him. I I will say that for Walker, Um, but he's not going to pick him as that guy unless he can pass club. The only one that uh, Pete Carroll sticks to that's injury prone is Penny for some reason. That, that guy's got naked pictures of his wife or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? One of these years, and maybe it's this year, maybe it's three years from now, Penny's going to stay healthy for a season and make the rest of us look like jackasses. 
but it's probably going to be the only one. Like I, I think you said it to me. Like he came to mini camp and they're like, "Oh, he's got a minor hamstring injury." It's like, "Oh, here we go again." Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, and that's why you should be scared to death to have him on your team. Oh, you should. But again, if he comes into camp healthy, there there is a scenario that Rashard Penny comes in healthy, is the lead back, and Walker's getting five carries a game. I mean, there, there is a scenario that happens because he's not coming in on third down to relieve Penny. Yeah. So that that that's why I said overall on these running backs, I'm a little a little down on them from past years. But again, they should absolutely be the top two or three picks, uh, top top two picks in my opinion. But you know, I guess you can make a case for the you know the receivers. But again, all right, number three on my list, Ian. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to end up differing here or not, but I. I've looked at this and stared at it and everything else. I think Damian Pierce is my third running back. I think okay. there's just a way, uh, a path for him to get everything. Um, Lovey Smith's over there. Fairly traditionally went with one guy. Not not a, not Pete Carroll type one guy, but a guy that's going to take 70% of the carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, all he's battling is Marlon Mack and uh, Rex Burkhead, but I've seen Rex Burkhead uh, – he just applied for Social Security. And, uh, <laughs> he was at the Social Security office with Marlon Mack, who was applying for SSI at the time. So, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, I, I, I like the talent in Pierce. I, I actually liked what I've seen on film, even though he was a part-time player at Florida, and I know that's like the big knock on him. He catches the ball well, runs with some decent power, not a fast guy, but you know what? You don't need to be fast in the NFL. You don't need to be four too fast in the NFL. We all like that at the combine, but definitely not what you need to do. I think there's a path there. He's got a young quarterback there. Uh, when David Johnson was actually healthy and playing in, in use in there, you know what? There were, there were an ample amount of passes going to the running back. So I, I think there's it's a good spot for him. You know what? I, I can see him not being a game breaker because that Houston team's in rough shape, but you know what? At the end of the year, him him being close to what a, a thousand scrimmage yards, you know, half a dozen touchdowns, and and I actually think that that's all the top two guys are, are ceilings are at least for the rookie year. So I, I like Pierce a lot, and as I look down this list, I didn't see a lot of guys that I would say I would I I could see a path for that. You know, thousand scrimmage yards and you know half a dozen touchdowns. So, and Pierce was the, the only really other guy that I've seen that could do it. Sure. So that, yeah. That's why I got him at number three, probably because, well, the starters suck. I think you're seeing a reoccurring theme, you know. <laughs> starters suck, so hopefully the new guy gets it. Sure, yeah. I yeah, think so, it was reasonable draft capital, if I'm not mistaken, like beginning of the fourth round or end of the third or something like that. Yeah, so we did the mock draft, I don't know, a while back anyway. And uh, we went back and forth between him and Spiller and everything. And he, he's really emerged to me too, as definitely a step above Spiller. Um, I still like Spiller actually on the chargers. Um, but no, I, I like Pierce a lot, but he's not my third guy. He's my fourth. Cause I know it's pretty, pretty much like a, a chalk pick, you know, but James Cook, I actually am closer to lumping James Cook in with Brees Hall and Walker than I am with, with having them down the list more. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I think that's something that Buffalo really focused on this year. They tried like hell to get McKissick. 
even got him and then lost him. And then they went out and got Duke Johnson just to have someone to fill a role that they've obviously envisioned for this team. And then had James Cook fall to them in the draft, who I think is a better version of the player they were trying to pick up all offseason. So I think he's got, I think he's going to be, he has the ability to be an RB2 in his rookie year, you know, probably top 20 ish, 20, top 22 anyway, if they, if, if he gets that role. So, yeah, that's uh, that's who I'm going with for number three. So what scares me off about James Cook, and this is just um, me and you have had these conversations a little bit. Do I get very blinded when it comes to my Bills teams? I, oh. I I love my Bills teams, and I I look at James Cook, and I'm like, am I looking at what I want him to be, or am I looking at what he is? Yeah, so just a little bit of confusion through there. So I'm actually glad you had him third, and actually had a, like a a reasonable explanation for him. Because again, I it's an internal struggle with myself, right? So sure. you are one hundred percent right. They tried twice in the offseason to get the same player, essentially, right? Yeah. And then the draft capital is definitely there. I mean, second round for a running back nowadays, that's draft capital. Yeah. Right? Like that's almost as good as a first round pick at you know, quarterback or something. Because uh running backs are a little devalued. But I do see a path where he would he could get close to them thousand scrimmage yards and you know a handful of touchdowns. Only so, thing that I was looking at that actually scares me a little bit: Josh Allen does not throw to the running backs. I think I read something that he is the third lowest percentage of throws to the running backs. But then I tell myself he didn't have anybody to throw to as a running back. So again, then the blue colored glasses that I wear, I, I was having a very hard time with the evaluation of them. So. The thing is, you hear that, you know, you know who else didn't throw to running backs? Cam Newton. And then he got a guy on his team named Mr. McCaffrey, and he threw to him 172 million times in the season. Now, I'm not comparing Cook to McCaffrey. I'm just saying, yeah, Allen hasn't thrown to the quarter, to the running back traditionally, but it was a point of emphasis getting a talented, not just a guy who's a receiving back, but getting a talented receiving back on that team this year which kind of tells you maybe that's something that they're coaching into Allen's game. So, and, and that's why I'm so high on it. Like this wasn't just, you know, Oh, well, James Cook fell to the fourth round and he's a really good player. So we're going to take him. It was a concerted effort by the bills to pick up a receiving back who was a quality pass catcher through the whole off season. And in the end, they got James Cook, who is that, but he also has a very similar skill set to Devin Singletary except for he does pretty much everything Singletary does better. And he's an accomplished route runner and pass catcher on top of it. So I think you come in with maybe a 1A, 1B situation between him and Singletary, but I think he's the clear 1A. And once you see them side by side, I think that you'll see Singletary fade into the background. And at the same time, they took Singletary last year in the last half of the season once they realized that Moss really isn't good. And Singletary in the back half of the season was the RB8 overall, if I'm not mistaken. So Oh, he they, was up there. Yeah, so if they could do something similar with Cook and add in – now, when I say pass catching, I'm not saying he needs to catch 60 balls a year, but if he's in the range of 40 and getting a similar workload to what Singletary got last year, I mean, that could be money. And, and if you look at the roster, it's him and Singletary. I mean, Duke Johnson's a good player. But Duke Johnson has failed to garner playing time in at least five different teams in the NFL at this point. 
and I'm not exactly sure of the age, but I think uh, I think Duke Johnson was asking uh, Merlin Mack and Rex Burkhead how to get to that Social Security office. I mean, Duke Johnson's been around for a little bit. He's got to be closing on 30, right, if not? Uh, Duke Johnson is 28 years old, so he's getting close. Is he that young? Seems like he's been around forever. Oh, it's name fatigue because he keeps moving from team to team to team, and every year it's like, oh, like you remember his first year with the Texans, and it's like, oh, he's going to get a shot. They're going to play him, and they went and signed someone else, and he wound up doing nothing. So you you get that feeling just because his name comes up, and there's hope, and the hope gets dashed. And but yeah, he's he's 28. I, I guess because I thought for sure 30, 32. Like yeah, seems like he was playing around when like. Uh, you know, Walter Payton was playing football and shit, but so do it. You get me all excited on your uh, your evaluation, of James Cook, there, because again, and I don't want to look at through these glasses, but but again, I'm just a Bills fan, just a crazy Bills fan, as Fisher always says, crack smoking Bills fan. He always says. <laughs> that, that that's the line he always uses. But can he not do what uh, oh, shit Austin Eckler does? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good comp, honestly. I, I mean, if he does that, like Austin Eckler was like the number three back last year. Yeah, uh, so I, I think Cook, at least right now, the expectation would be low-end Eckler. You know, if you go back to the days when Eckler was playing opposite Melvin Gordon, he was still like a top 15, 18 guy. I mean, that's when I used to be able to get him on my fantasy team because no one else was draft. Well, you or I would get him every year. Um, but yeah, I think that's sort of my expectation for him is to be that style of player when he was splitting time more, not when he was the lead back and, and being a top five guy. Right. Yeah. Uh, really at the end of the day, Austin Eckler is a number, a high end number two back. And, and if cook can turn into that, you know what? I'm all for it. It means my Bills team will be even better. All right. And now for the wild card guy. Well, so real quick, before we go wild card last year, Jonathan Taylor, had 332 carries in the 2021 season. In the last five seasons, Duke Johnson has had less than that. Yeah, so nobody really likes Duke Johnson. Yeah, that that's spanning three different teams in the last five seasons. And he's never had more than – his top number was 83 carries in a year. Like, Is he the guy you're always supposed to like? You just can't? I always do. I mean, he's one that I used to pick up all the time, and I was like, oh, he's going to get his chance. And, and then he just doesn't. So, anyway, yeah, under the wild cards there. All right. Someone's going to hate me for this. And I have a, a little difficulty because there's a bunch of guys. You know what? I could have dropped Spiller in this. I could have dropped Haskins in this. These are all the bonus names you guys get. The biggest wild card in this whole thing. And I know it's a lottery ticket. But, dude, this is the dollar lottery ticket that you can cash in for 200 bucks, Dude, uh... Ty Davis Pierce. And I know what you're going to say to me. (laughs) I I knew I would get that reaction. Who the hell knows if he's getting the starting job? A job, he might be playing fullback. I have no idea. Yeah. But if this guy does get the job in San Francisco, just like Elijah Mitchell came out of nowhere last year, and I am not saying take this guy in the first three rounds even, like, I could see someone swooping him up the beginning of the fourth round for five, six bucks, whatever the hell he calls. But if this guy even hits for a year or two for you, this is gold. Elijah Mitchell is not 
the greatest running back ever. I mean, I don't even know if he was drafted last year. I forget. Maybe he was drafted late in the draft. But this is the ultimate wild card. I wanted to throw a little bit of like an oh wow at everybody and you included. But <laughs> but just is this guy Trey Sermon or is he Elijah Mitchell? I'm almost thinking that he's one or the other. And I don't think you should spend real draft capital on him. But man, you want to talk about that dollar lottery ticket that returns, you know, 200 bucks. It, this is the ultimate one. And I know I got a little gamble in me and, and, and you got less than you and you're, sure. you're going to go crunch some number that says, you know what, this guy sucks and he's going to play peewee next year. But anyways, I, I just think he's such a wild card ticket. But if he gets that job and again, even if it's just for next year, let's face it. You draft a guy in the fourth round, he's good for one year. That's a win. We talked about third and fourth and fifth round picks on your team. They just don't exist. They're lottery tickets anyways. Unless you pick up a defender through there. But I just, he's my complete wild card in the whole thing. Um, I think his game film was pretty good. Not spectacular, but pretty good. And I can just see, I can just see Shanahan doing something real screwy like that. So he's my wild card for the whole thing. Like I said, there are there a bunch of other names that were jumping out at me. But like, if this wild card hits it, this guy has 1,200 scrimmage yards and 10 touchdowns. Like, that is well in the realm of possibilities if he's the guy. Everybody else on this list uh, for a wild card, I can see, you know, Brian Robinson having touchdown upside or Isaiah Spiller having, you know, them thousand yards and a handful of touchdowns. But this guy could really be – he could be a home run for him. So that's why I picked him as my wild card. All right. Uh, yeah, so – I know you hate it. <laughs> no, I do. I do. But so let me say first. Before I say anything else, if you pick a guy who happens to get the starting role for the most successful running coach in the NFL, it's a win. It doesn't matter if you like him. It doesn't matter if he's this, that, or the other thing. If he lands the starting job for the 49ers, that, that's golden. I mean, you see it year after year after year. I mean, the Shanahan running you know, system, going back to Mike Shanahan, has been a winner and has made stars out of people – NFL running backs who typically you wouldn't expect to be big, big name players, you know, like I can't even name the guys now, but no Sean Marino, right? No Sean Marino. Wasn't it Landis Gary, one of them or something? Yeah. Mike Anderson or Mike. Mike Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. He was the fullback that he made something, right? Yeah. Yeah. He just does it with whomever. Yeah. And Shannon has shown you, you know, Going back even fat Rob Kelly, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you get these, what we say, you know, compared to other NFL players, you know, middling backs, and it's just like, okay. And, and then they run in the Shanahan system, and it's like, oh, my God, they're superstars. Then they play somewhere else, and you're oh, no, they're not. So that said, absolutely. But I don't think that if you look at the people in, in Shanahan's system since he's gone to the 49ers, the, the thing that you see there is that all of those guys are fast as shit. And Ty Davis Price is not. So I almost wonder if he hasn't picked up Davis Price more as the up-and-coming guy behind Kyle Juszczyk. And so you, you say, well, I don't know if he's, you know, this guy or that guy. You know, if he's Trey Sermon or uh, Elijah Mitchell. I think he might be Juszczyk, who, who's great, but not for fantasy. So. The one thing with with 
the outside zone scheme, you know, this the running scheme that the Shanahan system, you know, is that it puts a huge emphasis on speed to, to have success. And and most of these guys that have had success, not so much going back to the Denver days with Mike Shanahan, but with Kyle Shanahan, most of these guys have been fast that have had success with, with him. And especially with the 49ers. I mean, Jeff Wilson, is, I don't even know his 40 speed, but uh, uh, Ray Moster is like track star fast. Uh, Jeff Wilson. Yeah. Jeff Wilson has been tracked running at 21 miles an hour on the NFL speed on the NFL field using next gen stats. It doesn't show me his 40 time. Anyways, these guys are fast. Ty Davis Price is a four five guy, four five eight, I think. Four four eight, sorry. So he's a four five guy, basically. But if you look at him, Kyle Yuschek is a four seven guy, six eleven, two thirty, or six foot one, sorry, six eleven. <laughs> Six That'd foot, be a big boy. <laughs> yeah. Use check is 6'1, 235, with, running a 4'7. Ty, Ty Davis Price is 6'1, 232, running a 4'5. I just wonder if he's more coming in to expand that role a little bit and, and add some to help fill out the 49ers running game as opposed to take over the existing role filled up by Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, and every other name you could think of who happens to get signed in, in San Francisco. So when I was going through my comments, it is sort of why I put in there he could be the fullback because I actually have had dumb thoughts of him also. Yeah. So I, I guess, and I remember that you said that. I guess my thing is, is I think that's a lot more likely than them trying to jam this monster of a man into an outside zone run scheme. It just doesn't fit with his running style and with his measurables. It, it makes it unlikely. But that said, if you, you know, we did our mock draft and it looks like Ty Davis Price almost definitely doesn't go before the third round. So if you can invest that kind of draft capital third round or later and just put him on your roster and say, okay, well, he does get the chance for whatever reason. It's a gold mine. doesn't matter how tall he is. doesn't matter how fast he is. If he wins that job, it's a win for your, for your fantasy team. But I think a lot more likely, even if he gets in that rotation, that it's going to be weeks four, seven, and 11, that he has big games, but you're not going to know it until week five, eight, and 12. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I had him as a sleeper and definitely a later round pick. I mean, uh, just looking at my rankings of how I got guys right now, I actually have him as my number 11 running back in this, in the, as a rookie. But again, I, I just went down the list a little bit because there are a lot of these guys you can make cases for to 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 be the the wild card pick there. And I just I, I dug a little deeper on there, but I I'm assuming that everyone digs very deep on running backs because sure. none of us have enough, right? Yeah. So yeah, I went down my list a little bit. I know I'm reaching a little bit. Maybe sure. I just maybe I just wanted a little clickbait or my uh, what the hell they call them the goofy takes that they have oh the hot takes or whatever hot takes there you go maybe i just mm-hmm. wanted one of them in here <laughs> well so i'll i'll say your lottery ticket guy has without a doubt higher upside than my lottery ticket guy i went pretty deep for mine as well and i think if you stop and think you know who i'm about to bring up but you know there's guys we talked about spiller and his position in the chargers and you know eckler having an injury history like that could be really interesting Zamir White, you know, on the Raiders with Josh Jacobs pulling up lame in OTAs, 
that could be interesting. I mean, Tyler Algier, what's really in front of him? I mean, you go down the list, there's a lot of maybes in there that could be interesting. But I actually think one of the deeper, you know, going deeper than any of them and, and safer bets, which, you know, being safety, I like Brian Robinson. I think people are really underestimating what his role on the commanders is going to be here. And I know you're going to love that one because it's at the expense of Gibson, but I think that you're going to see a true three-headed backfield uh, on the, oh, I said the Redskins, the commanders this year. So yeah, be politically correct, please. I, I think I've told you this before, but Antonio Gibson is tied for the most fumbles at running back since he's entered the NFL. Brian yeah, you Rob- have told me this. Brian Robinson has fumbled once in the last three years, or last two years. He had two fumbles three years ago and one in the last two seasons. He's a big guy. He's got some power. If you're if you're looking for a guy to take up short yardage and goal line work, he's a decent blocker. If you're looking for someone to fill that role, Gibson's not that guy. I mean, he he's shown it. You can't have a guy that fumbles six times a year in that position. Or you not you can't, but you don't want to. And so, you know, if you, you look at Brian Robinson and JD McKissick, that's a traditional thunder and lightning backfield. You know, for a guy who's not a great coach, seemingly. But I'm not saying that Gibson gets completely supplanted here. I think that he still probably winds up being the head of the committee there. But I think Brian Robinson is a guy that's going to have standalone value because he's probably the touchdown guy and the short yardage guy. I mean, we do points for first down as well. And that he's going to take enough work. And that if there's an injury there, I think he's more likely to be your third down back than Gibson simply due to turnovers and blocking if McKissick were to get hurt. And I think he's more likely to take over Gibson's role if Gibson got hurt, even though McKissick would probably take a larger share at that point. But I, I think he's in an interesting interesting position where he could be flex-worthy starting in week three or four or beyond and could be a borderline RB2 if one of those other two guys got hurt. So I don't love it. <laughs> but I, we'll start there. But I absolutely see what you're saying. And, and, and we played the little game we were texting about the stats, uh, you know, with the fumbles and all that for, for the other show that we want to possibly start someday. Yeah. But anyways, I absolutely see where you're going with this. Is this guy not Jordan Howard? Sure. Yeah, actually, that's probably a pretty good comparison. And Jordan Howard's always he, – he's been a touchdown vulture wherever he's been. Uh, if he gets in the right rotation, always been good. I can see Brian Robinson having a big role on this team. Um, and, and when we were playing the game, the only thing I kept telling you is I just think that overall Gibson's the more talented of the three. But sure. anyways, but this is a Brian Robinson take here. I can see a place where Brian Robinson is scoring touchdowns and a lot of them. Just being the short yards guy, being being the red zone guy. Carson Wentz is not a great quarterback. And yeah. J.D. McKissick nor Gibson are short yardage guys. They're just not. They're closer to scat backs, right? They're yeah. closer to Eckler than they are Jordan Howard. So I, I can absolutely see a place for this. Um, I didn't love Brian Robinson's tape, and that's a little bit of where I, I'm not as worried, but I am I, I am worried for what they drafted him for, but the tape, I just didn't see a lot of but again, you don't have to be the greatest running back in the world to be the short yardage guy and the goal line guy. And that's a highly valuable role. So I, I don't disagree where you're going with this. Um, even when we did our mock draft, I'm 
thinking, uh, I'm trying to remember back a little bit to what it was, but he was should have been about the next running back to go. So that make him a high third round pick. Yeah. So we, we had him exactly. We did a two round mock and we had him keyed up to be the first running back to go in the third round. So yeah, no, there, there's definitely a place for him. And you know, if I'm not mistaken, they took him in the third round. All right. Brian Robinson was drafted in the third round. Yeah. So he's got the same draft capital as Antonio Gibson does. Yeah. So it's not like he's even got a, a guy in front of him that has first round draft capital. Yeah. I, I just I, think I, I hate it, but I don't hate it. Yeah. There's a path there for sure. And that's what you're looking for on these guys. Yeah. Again, if you can give Brian Robinson in the third round, you only get a year or two out of him. I know it's dynasty and we think we're going to keep these guys for 10 years. Do we're not. R- rosters change over. They change over very quickly. As your team crumbles away a little bit, you trade away your good players and rebuild or reload, and, and other players are taking them on. So, like, I, I think we lose that a little. I know I lose that a little bit, and we've talked about this. I'm always looking for the superstar and the guy that's cheap and I'm going to have for 20 years, and that, that's just not really the case in, in the whole thing. Well, so we're, sometimes we're all, you can't outlook too far. We're, we're all looking for that, but what we have to remember is we'll, we're lucky if we get one or two guys that are like that, but you're not getting 30. So, right. I mean, a guy like Brian Robinson, if he comes in and, and wins the role that I think he's going to win and winds up being for the next three years, somewhere finishes somewhere between RB 28, and 35, that's a usable guy in your flex spot, you know? And, and that's the thing is to, to play the game, you have to build a complete roster. I mean, everyone wants, and, and, of course, the biggest thing to worry about is getting the guys at the top of your roster, you know, your RB1, your wide receiver one and two, you know, stuff like that. But you get a guy like Brian Robinson. If he's scoring six to eight points a week, then he's a flex guy and certainly going through the bye week gauntlet. He's a guy that you want possibly even as your RB2, you know, in week 12 when you have a bad matchup. So, yeah, I just uh, – I, I think he's going to earn a spot on that on that team and, and – not a huge role, but a, a consistent role on the offense where he's he's taking that short yardage work away. It's called depth for a reason. I uh, I like the selection. All right. Anybody else you want to touch on? Any bonuses through here? Nah, not really. I mean, we can talk about all kinds of guys, but those are the ones that, that stand out to me. 